Hi guys, welcome back to the Burning Messengers podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This week we have a very exciting um, opportunity for you to kind of just slip into a course where Waylon Henderson and I have been teaching on the power of intercession. I hope you enjoy this and hey, be sure to follow us on social media so that you can jump into some of these things that we're doing as a Burning Messengers community. I've been watching the recordings. You guys are going just so deep and it's so powerful. I've honestly wrestled through, Lord, what exactly do you want me to talk about? Because there's just so many directions that we could go. Um, because this, you know, you've got on the the syllabus wordless prayer, you know, um, but that's just such a such a powerful, deep subject. People don't really realize um how, what all is encompassed in the groan like what all is encompassed in the in the lord's prayer right it's just it's so much and it's such an honor to be able to be with you guys to talk about intercession um and and hopefully to take us into some deep intercession i believe that this course is probably going to be one of the most transformative courses you've probably ever taken um we love to do stuff like fivefold ministry teachings and things like that in christendom um, but, you know, even how to study the Bible, but learning intercession and understanding the power of intercession is such a life transforming reality. It's a foundational, um, it's not just encounter, but it's a foundational, I think, disciple or a discipline. It's a foundation, foundational discipline in your walk with Christ. And so, yep. Thank you so much for having me, Waylon. Um, I'm excited. And honestly, I'm a bit just like wrestling through it because, you guys have been talking about such powerful things, even just the contemplative prayer, um, sitting along with the Lord. And, you know, what you talked about, I think it was last week, you're talking about just sitting along without the music and, and without the noise. Guys, that is such a powerful thing to do. Um, and I'm so thankful, Waylon, that you're talking about that because it's really a forgotten discipline, you know, and I'm using that word for a reason because it is a discipline. It is something that we have to train ourselves to do, especially in a culture that's so driven with distraction, so driven um, with so many things that are just pulling at us constantly, but just to sit alone and sit in the quiet. And I think, you you know, you, you suggested five minutes it really will make you come face to face with the reality of the busyness of your soul. Um, the reality of all the things that are running through your mind and, and actually springboard you into true intercession. And so all that being said, you know, I do want to talk about, I, I'm writing a book right now. Um, sorry, I've got to fix something here. Trying to see, I'm trying to see. Okay. Now I can see. <laughs> Um, I'm writing a book right now called Wordless Prayer. The book is on the groan. It's on Romans 8.26 is really the, the springboard of the book. Um, but the, the publishing company really wanted to call it Wordless Prayer. And I actually wrestled with that. And then I, the more I prayed about it, the more I felt like, you know what, it really is. It really is a good title. It really is powerful to begin to understand that within the groan of the spirit, it's more than tongues. 
It's more than, um, you know, learning how to intercede for other people. It's actually entering into that space with the Lord that is unspoken. It's that space of the mystery of the presence of God and the mysteries of being in a friendship with God. And in, in any true intercession um, is comes from the place of intimacy. It comes from the place of being seated with him around the throne. And so tonight, I think I do want to take us a little bit deeper into understanding the basis of Romans 8, 26. What is the groan and what does that have to do with the wordlessness? Um, and, and tell me, like a majority of you, when you hear the word groaning, when you hear the scripture, eight, Romans 8, 26, where it says that he prays through us with the wordless groanings, how many of you actually think tongues immediately when you hear that? Most people do. Most people think tongues, but I want to take you a little bit deeper in it. So let's look at it real quick. So we're going to talk about it. Um, but I've been chewing on this, honestly, I've been chewing on this section of Romans 8 probably for five years. And I tell people when they hear me speak on this over and over again, it does get deeper. But if I can chew on like, what, seven passages, seven verses of scripture for five years, I promise you that you can find depth in hearing scriptures that you've heard many times over, you can find more depth in it. And so the Lord wants to springboard you into it. So within the groan, you're going to find that God is bringing identification with himself in you. He's going to form within you a faithful witness. He's going to cause you to understand the ins and outs of what the spirit is saying around the throne of God. And he's also going to bring out identity of sonship in you so that you understand who you are as an intercessor or as a son or daughter who actually stands in the gap with him as he makes intercession for us and for all of creation. So if you take a look real quick at Romans 8, 18, we're going to start right there. And I want to talk about a little bit of the sufferings, but we're going to read real quick. So for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us for the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. I want you to pay attention to the word revealing right there. For the creation itself was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption and to freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but we ourselves having the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we've been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope who hopes for what he already sees. Pay attention. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. Now, the familiar scripture, in the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So he searches the hearts. He knows that the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So stop right there for just a second. So when we dive into this language of the groan, 
this Romans 8, 26, there's so much more to it than speaking in tongues. And you talked about this last week, Waylon, about Jesus as an intercessor who was the only one who could stand in the gap. It says that, that the father searched to and fro all over the earth for one that could stand in the gap and he found no one. And so Jesus became the intercessor who would stand in the gap and embody that reconnection between heaven and earth and reform. And you're talking about the garden, reform us back into a garden dwelling place for him. And I know that that's a mouthful, but within this groaning is that gap in between. And that's what I'm writing about. Even in this book, it's that language of the, the promises of God that we see written in scripture and with the promises that we know in our heart and the gap in between that and what we experience in the sin broken earth. And so intercession, the groan in between is that it's, it's that identification with that which there is no human words or such should say earthly words for, but the spirit himself has language. The spirit himself has groanings that cause us inwardly at, to, to begin to agree with our identity as sons and daughters, our identity as a bride, but also our identity as a witness to the fullness of redemption. So what did it say? It says there's a hope in the uh, cre that creation itself has in us, sons and daughters being unveiled as we come into this agreement with the spirits groaning of our adoption, of our identity as this embodiment truly of an intercessor that brings justice or brings healing into creation. The suffering of creation, the suffering that we experience is actually the ability to identify with the gap. It's the ability to step into that place that Jesus has stepped into and begin to, like you said last week, step away from your own desires and into his desires so that you're able to see and hear and know what is the heart and the mind of the spirit. It says that he sees and knows what is the heart and mind of man. But in intercession, in this place of groaning, you actually get to enter into the place where you see and know what is the heart and the mind of the spirit. And in that groan, in that place of transformation, or I should say even transfiguration, you're being changed into the agreement of the spirit. The spirit and the bride, as it says in Revelation, say come. So you're getting to come into agreement with the bridal reality. You're getting to come into agreement with a longing of the gap is not just the sin broken earth. The gap is the lack of a wedding. It's the it's the the um the waiting place, the labor pains of a bride that would be sitting sitting on the edge of her seat, waiting on the fullness of redemption that she could be fully united with her bridegroom. And so in the in it within this Romans 8:26, it's so much more than a groan of prayer in tongues. It's a it's a redemption. It's a reconnection. It's a transfiguration. It's a transformation from being one who is earthly, made of dirt and immortal, into one who has taken on immortality and begun to actually walk in an eternal reality 
And, and I love this, Waylon, you and I've talked about this before, but you're walking in this eternal reality as a bride that has been able to identify with the piercings of the bridegroom. And so it's, it's this, um, it's so much more, it's so much more than prayer tongues and intercession is so much more than just praying. And, and groaning and weeping for others, though it is that's a large part of that, but intercession is actually being able to embody what Jesus has done on the cross in order to bring his will, his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so there's just, there's so much jam packed in here with this wordless groaning, with this, this place of the spirit. So I want to tell you a story real quick before I keep, I can, I can totally swirl in all of Revelation, but I'll tell you where, where this really got started for me. I was in Israel and of course I'd experienced, you know, much travail, intercession, groaning, all the things, you know, for many years, but I was in Israel in 2018 and I was in the garden of Gethsemane. And uh, we we had rented the garden. We were ready, you know, to to encounter Jesus. We, you know, we're going to get to be in there for an hour as a team. It was a really powerful group of people that had gone together, like intercessors, prophets, really like strong, like people that love Jesus are hungry for Jesus. So we were like ready for this garden experience, right? We were going to rent it. We're going to sit in there. And the idea was that we were going to get wrecked, right? That's what we want to do. We want to get wrecked. And so we, we step into the garden and, you know, I even had thought, you know, how in the world could the disciples that were with Jesus sleep while he travails? Like that literally was a thought that ran through my mind as I was coming to the garden. And it was almost like there was this pious, like spiritual, you know, like, I don't know, roar in me that was like, I'm not going to sleep. You know, I'm going to get in this place and I'm going to travail and I'm going to identify with the, you know, the groanings and the weepings of the spirit. And I come and I sit down and I kid you not for 45 minutes, I felt nothing my mind wandered. I wrestled. I opened my Bible. I flipped and couldn't land on a scripture. It was like the spirit of distraction was all over me. You talk about sitting in the silence. When you sit in the silence, you find out how distracted you really are. But I believe that it was a setup from the Lord because about 45 minutes in, I was like, okay, Lord, what is up? You know, what is going on? We've got this garden. For an hour, 45 minutes since to have ticked by, and I've yet to get struck or wrecked or weep or groan. I mean, this is the garden of God, all gardens. And the Lord breaks in and he says to me, Tammy, do you want more? That's all he said. And when he said it, the fear of the Lord gripped me. And I knew he wasn't asking me if I wanted more fame or more platform or more money or more things. He was asking me, inviting me into his suffering. He was inviting me into his travail. And in about that moment, I, could, I didn't even know how to answer. Because I literally was like, I'm counting the cost as he's saying this to me. I'm shaking as he's saying this to me. And I get wrecked. Like I begin to just totally encounter and experience the power and the manifestation of his intercession in that garden. And I gave a weak yes, a very weak yes. I want more, whatever it is. Jesus, I'm terrified. 
because I already know the cost up to this point. You're asking me in the garden of groaning, do I want more? And so this is where this whole thing began for me. When God began to take me on this journey with him and invite me into his intercession and invite me into his suffering and invite me into the place where he stands in the gap. Fast forward, there's a whole thing with this, you know, Israel encounter. But fast forward about three months later, I'm laying in my bed and as I get like hit by the Lord, I sit straight up in my bed and I hear one word. He says audibly to me, unspoken. That's all he says, unspoken. But it was like a lightning bolt hit me and struck me to the core. It was like the word reverberated from the inside out. And I got up. And I began to pray and I'm like, Lord, what are you saying? I find out that there was a 26 year old um, Lee University student, which is a university close to us here. And I think it's in Tennessee. A, uh, sorry, he was an alumni, was martyred on a, in, an island where he went to reach the Sintonese people of India who had not yet received the gospel. And I began to ask the Lord, how do these two things connect? How does this encounter in the garden in Israel and this word unspoken and a 26-year-old martyr connect? Lord, what does it mean? And I began to chew on and eat this section of scripture that I just talked to you in Romans 8. And God began to show me that there's a connection between the death. And I want to say this, there was a death in the garden of Gethsemane. There was a choice in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus, yes, he died on the cross of crucifixion, but he actually laid down his life in the Garden of Groaning, the, the Garden of Travail. He chose to lay down his life before he ever entered into the place that we know as his crucifixion. It's the same thing when you begin to groan with him. There's an unspoken reality. There's a languagelessness that begins to take place as you begin to intercede with Christ, as you begin to stand in the gap with him, and you begin to trade your will for his and your desires for his, and you begin to realize that when you say yes to an intercession of, of, the, of the unveiling of something that is wordless, that you're actually going to encounter an experience for which there are no words. And so the, the connection the Lord began to unveil to me is that this unspoken reality connected with this 26-year-old who would graduate college and set his sights on a people group that he knew would kill him. He knew, if you, and you'll have to read this, I, I tell the story in my book, he knew that they would kill him and all he could write in his journal is that I believe it's worth it to preach Jesus to these people. Why would the 26-year-old with a full future, a college degree, set his sight on one thing to die? Because within the groan of the spirit is a gripping that causes us to be formed into a faithful witness. And Jesus is the witness that was faithful, faithful unto death, even death on a cross. And so within this intercession, within this groaning, I want you to expect a transformation of identity. So the word witness literally translate as the word martyr. There's three different ways that we, we begin to form and fashion as we groan with him, as we intercede with him, as we connect in intimacy with him. We become a witness 
him as one at first that that we we are realizing we are witnessing the reality of becoming a son becoming a daughter that new breath that new life the first part of Romans 8 that says that there's an inward witness in us that cries Abba Father that's the first reality reality of your new birth where you begin to dive into the connection and the breath of the wordless intercession that there's only one word for, Father. You're my Father and I'm your Son. But the second part of that growing and maturing in Him is becoming an eyewitness where you begin to actually be transformed by him and you begin to embody the intercession and the lifestyle of Christ. As you begin to love him and long for him, you become an eyewitness of Christ. You become one who has a testimony. It says in Revelation 12 that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony for they loved not their life, even unto death. And the reason that they could love their life, even unto death, is became they became an eyewitness. An eyewitness is a courtroom term that where you bring forth a testimony that you cannot recant your testimony because the testimony is truth. And so, Waylon, I love you mentioned this last week about becoming a witness or becoming an eyewitness in that place of intercession in the Our Father, where you actually begin to step into be, being a witness of him in another, it's, it's otherworldly, it's in another place. Your, your world and his world begin to collide and you become a witness of something that is not of this earth. So whenever my daughter, I'll, I'll share very short of this testimony of this, when my daughter almost died in 2021, God healed her septic shock with multi-organ system failure, heart failure, kidney failure, liver failure. God healed her. God raised her up. You cannot tell me that that did not happen. You can put a gun to my head and I will not recant that testimony. I was an eyewitness. I had historical witness. I have you know, eternal witness within my soul that God healed her and she is alive. And so when you become an eyewitness in this transformation of this groan of the spirit in agreement with the spirit, as you become to begin to be transformed by the spirit and you begin to be, embody the intercessions of Christ. Well, and you talked about walking into a room and feeling anxiety or taking on the understanding of that. It's not you and that it's someone else. And you step into these intercessions. You're, you're connecting one world to another, one kingdom to another. You're taking the kingdom of God and you're pushing out darkness and you as you begin to walk in this, you will not be able to turn back and say that this witness, this history that you're building with God did not happen. And so when you become that kind of witness, you'll grow into the maturity of being the, the martyr, martyrs, I can't say it, the, the martyr, the one who would lay down their life. Because at this point, when you become that kind of witness, the faithful witness that is a witness even unto death, then that has taken you into the place where you no longer believe that you live, but Christ lives in you. You begin to truly be transfigured from the inside out in these intercessions where that side of eternity becomes more real than this side of eternity. And so to answer the question that I was asking the Lord, how could a 26-year-old 
throw their life into a people group that they knew would kill him. He began to understand that the power of the blood was more powerful than anything that he could do in his flesh or in his desire on this side of eternity. He began to embody intercession and the groan of the spirit in such a way that he realized if the power of the blood of the lamb speaks a better testimony than the blood of, of um, Adam, I'm sorry, the blood of Abel, then how can maybe possibly my blood, the blood of a martyr being spilt on an island, actually speak the word, the same word as Christ to a people group that would only hear blood. This is what begins to take place when you begin to embody intercession. You begin to step into your identity as one who bridges the gap. And I know that I'm just totally blowing fire right now, <laughs> but I want you to understand this. When you step into a class like this, when you begin to identify yourself as an intercessor, you're not just a person who goes into a prayer room and prays pretty little prayers. You're not just one who would, who would, you know, you do do that. You do get to pray in prayer rooms, but you're not just one who all you do is pray. That's my job in the kingdom. All I do is pray. No, this is an invitation into a throne room reality where you're in agreement with the groan of the spirit to embody the answer of all creation. And that is to bring justice and redemption into the earth. And so what began in the garden actually um, began to climax in a garden and restores us to a garden. It's the blood of the lamb. It's the groan of the spirit. It's the, it's the intercession of a savior that we step into as sons and daughters to be able to close a space that is in between what is the promise and what is. That's the power of the groan. So for just a second, Waylon, if you want to say anything, you can jump in and say something. Um, I'll talk about word language lists or wordlessness, you know, a little bit if you want me to, but. <laughs> you can keep going. <laughs> well, you let me know. I just, and I, I really, I, I want to hit that groaning reality first, because I want you to understand that the, this encompasses tongues. This encompasses that gripping in your guts when you don't have any words. This encompasses, most people start out in intercession or in a groaning intercession from the place of frustration. That's the very bottom level. You'll step in and you'll begin to realize the injustice of the earth. You'll begin to, for me, it's things like, you know, I know where the desire of the heart of the Lord is for the bride to live. It's, it is, I know what's the heart of the Lord for the church to look like. I, I hate the injustice of things like uh, abuse and, and sex trafficking. It's, it's these types of things that will cause me to be gripped and cause me to enter into a frustration in the spirit that are where I'm being stretched into the sufferings, stretched into the reality of the gap. But these things only onboard us. They're what start us into this place. The, 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 the longing of the heart of God is that as you begin to launch 
into greater places of intercession to come out of that place of frustration where you you just want to fix the problem into the place of a momentary light affliction and maybe some spiritual warfare where he begins to arm you with authority but eventually he wants you to sit with him eventually he wants you to find yourself in the place of the whisper he wants you to find your place in the where there is no language. He wants you to find your place self in a place of intimacy because this is what he really wants. He wants you as an intercessor to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. He wants you as his son and daughter to manifest his 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 kingdom and to make make things right and answer the groan of creation. But even more than that, Ephesians 2, 6 says you're seated with him. He wants you to sit down. Hey, Burning Messenger, we want to interrupt today's episode to remind you of Tammy's book, Permission to Burn. The book is her testimony on paper. She was on fire and never expected her life to demonstrate anything other than the zeal of God's heart for his people. Tammy was going to change the world and see millions come to know her Jesus with the same passion and desire until the lies and obstacles began. Permission to Burn will take you on a journey of truth and release the weight of God's glory and recommission the believer in Christ to live out his or her identity as a holy messenger. Awaken the courage to proclaim the undeniable truth amid a dangerously confused generation. Impart keys to living the holy, consecrated, yet exhilarating spirit-filled life. Call forth a scriptural plumb line of reformation to the modern church and leadership structure. And bind together hearts of seasoned leaders and young believers for a sustainable, last day's Holy Spirit outpouring. Read Permission to Burn. Get back on the mountain God gave you and take your place in setting this world on fire for the love of Jesus in your generation. You can find Permission to Burn, Breaking the Chains of Compromise from a Holy Generation on Amazon. He wants to remove from you the heavy load and the heavy burden. It says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And as intercessors and prophetic people, we have a really hard time understanding the, the easy and the easy yoke and the light burden of the Lord, because most of us are feelers. Most of us pick up on everything around us. But these things are supposed to be quick intercessions and in, in, in places where we bring them to the Lord. But we find ourselves giving him these burdens, releasing to him the heavy yoke and find ourselves connected with him. The yoke. And where it says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, that yoke is actually a picture of a fatted ox being connected to another. And they're, they're walking together. And it's light when they walk together. But there's another scripture that talks about when the, the yoke is broken by the anointing. The yoke is broken because that fatted ox actually gets so fat in maturity that he breaks the yoke that weighs him down. And so as you mature in the Lord and the, the, um, the oil on your life increases, you begin to learn how to walk in sync with the yoke of the Lord versus the yoke of the heavy burden of the earth, if that makes sense. And so the maturity takes you into the place of seated. It takes you into the place of peace. It takes you into the place of that, that ability to sit in the silence, to offload the anxieties, to, to be with him in the whisper. So I want to read this to you real quick. 
the um so i've already said this the whisper the breath of god is in the realm of the unspoken and so that word the lord spoke to me he said one word is unspoken the whisper and the breath of god is in that realm in that realm you're free from fear you're free from intimidation you're free from the pressure to perform listen to me you're you're free in that place to simply be and when you begin to sit in that place, you will actually find the divine intelligence of the Lord of how to pray, when to pray, not just in the place of frustration, but in the place of strategy. And so you get to discern the times of the seasons when you sit in that place of his whisper, when you sit in that place of his silence, and it requires us to ascend the hill of the Lord. It requires us to sit with him in his holy place. And so, you know, it's interesting to me that it says to labor into his rest. This laboring is like a birthing. It is a groaning of the spirit, but it's also a an, an ability or training ourselves to step away from the draw and distraction of the earth. It says that the, um, the help me remember, Lord, the anxieties, the anxieties of this world choke out the seed when it falls on that hard and rocky ground, right? So when you ascend the hill and you begin to learn how to sit in the holy place, you learn how to separate yourself from the anxieties so that you can hear the voice. You can hear the whisper of the Lord. You can hear that unspoken place. And so you begin to learn how to reposition your heart and hear from him. So I want to talk about this unspoken thing real quick. So this word specifically in the story of Elijah, when he hears the still small voice of the Lord in first Kings 19, that word for still small voice is Dema. And it's translated as the voice of silence. I want to talk about that with you for just a minute, because Within this wordless groaning is the travail. It is the tears. But as you mature, as you grow, and as eternity becomes more real than this earth, you begin to enter into that place of the Dema, where the voice of the Lord is in the stillness, but it's not silent. I want you to understand, just because it says wordless or unspoken in English doesn't mean there are no words. <laughs> so you get to enter into a place where there's the mysteries. So let's look at this real quick. So first Kings 19, 11 to 13. I also want you to think about Psalms two for just a second as the nations rage and as the breath of the Lord and the laughter of the Lord responds to the rage of the nations. Where is he? when he's responding to the rage of the nations, where is he actually speaking to the son and inviting him into an eternal storyline? When he says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. Where is he? Where are, where are they seated? They're seated above it, right? They're seated above the realm of the rage of the nations. And so let's, let's look at this real quick. So Elijah in this section of scripture, you probably know the story. He's running. He's running from Jezebel. He's just had the showdown with the prophets of Baal. And often we look at that and we see, I'm going to see, I'm going to pull it up real quick. The, um, 
the fear that he's in. We see the trauma that he's in. Um, some people are even like, you know, trying to go and figure out what if Elijah wouldn't have ran, what would have happened. But I believe this encounter from the Lord was actually equipping Elijah to understand what was going to take place after this. And so it says in verse 11, we're just going to skip to it. First, uh, first Kings 19, 11, the Lord said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by, pass by and a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Now think about what I just said. It's not It wasn't a gentle whisper like that. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And so if you go back for just a second and look at that, you begin to realize that that the what what the Lord was doing for Elijah was he was actually taking his eyes off of the elements. He was taking his eyes off of, and I, I want to blow your mind for just a second, what I believe was the response of all creation to the presence of God. It said that the earth shook, the fire came, and the wind blew. It's the same manifestations that happened when the Lord passed by Moses when he was hidden in the cleft of the rock. So the whole earth is responding to the coming down of the spirit of God, but he wasn't in the manifestations of the earth's response. This was the groan of creation. This was the, the reality of creation, knowing that the Holy One was near. And in this, all of these things are taking place around Elijah. And he begins to realize that there's something greater that's taking place and there's something more for him. And how many of you believe that if he's in that place with God, could it be that all of a sudden his momentary light afflictions began to be eclipsed in the glory? Could it be that all of a sudden, who's Jezebel? You know, really? He's taken up on the mountain of God and God is walking by and the all of creation is responding. And then the Lord begins to cause him to understand this word, this word Dima, where it talks about the voice of silence and the voice of silence that came to Elijah was not a little whisper. It was a resounding reality that I believe penetrated him from within and without. It was the it was the voice of the Lord, it says, will break the cedars. And so within him began to reverberate something unspoken that was greater than anything that could be spoken, happen, or manifest in this side of eternity. And so within this unspoken place that God has called us to, even as I said in Psalms 2, the rage of the nations can't touch it. And so when he calls you upward into maturity, he calls you out of fear. He calls you out of anxiety. He calls you calls he calls you out of the questionings of did God say and is he withholding good things? He calls you upward when all of a sudden everything else is eclipsed because his presence came in. And so within this 
silence, it's also the same reality, I believe, and you you might know something a little deeper on this, Waylon, but I believe it's the same reality as Adam and Eve experienced when they walked with God in the cool of the day. I believe it's the same whisper. It's the same sound. And within all of this for us, in the unspoken, in the wordless prayer, is an entryway into that which the earth cannot handle but those of us that have been transformed into his image as vessels of his glory can be able to handle or come into agreement with that which can't be spoken or hasn't been spoken in the earthen realm. And so as an intercessor, we get delivered from the Jezebel. We get delivered from the fear of the earth and the rage of the nations as we mature in him. And what happens with Elijah? He tells him, go anoint king go anoint elisha go and anoint jehu he begins to pass a mantle from one generation to the next it within this encounter and elijah begins to be restored he begins to come out of the fear and the terror and begins to realize that he's not the only one that he's not alone and that he's not god is not done with him and so as an intercessor, as one who's going to begin to step into these prophetic realities, you're going to come into the same wrestles within your mind. You're going to come into the same wrestles within your intercessions. As a matter of fact, your intercession is going to confront systems, is going to confront things of the enemy. And if as you mature and you learn it's just a place you pass through, you'll learn how to sit with him in the silence. And in that place of the silence, the voice of the Lord becomes comes loud the presence of the lord begins to penetrate and even i even have seen and experienced myself that creation itself will respond when the when the lord comes into your secret place like that and he's imparting to you even though you may not understand he's imparting to you authority he's imparting to you revelation of something greater that you've not yet known he's imparting to you an ability to pass something to the next generation he's calling you to the place in those times of warfare to come up here as it says in revelation 4 and come above the anxieties so that you can pull down the kingdom of the earth kingdom kingdom of god into the earth and so all that being said there's so much depth within the unspoken there's so much depth within the grown um and and all of these things are mysteries that he loves to unveil to you he loves to unveil them to his friends there's places where the friends of god have entrance where where the where the servants who only call him master don't have entrance into and if you're giving your life to intercession, you're going to find yourself in such beautiful friendship with God. It's going to be so much greater than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. For me personally, I have to tell you this, I've been a part of the prayer movement. I've been a part of prayer and intercession for many years. And I used to get really aggravated when people would call me the prayer person. It would drive me nuts. I'm like, quit calling me the prayer person. You know, even for a season, I was like, I don't even want anybody to call me an intercessor. Like I'm so sick of the language and the in the box 
that, that, that people put intercessors into, that God actually had to restore that word back for me because I got so frustrated with it. But now, like even recently, with even with writing this book, like recently the Lord is like, this is the greatest mantle that you could ever walk in. It's a mantle of identity with me. It's a mantle. It's not just the spirit of the prophet. It's not just the apostle. It's not just a fivefold ministry gift that will, will eventually wither away. This intercession that you sit in with him is eternal. And that's why there's so much depth in it. That's why it's a well. That's why we can flow in it and revelate in it. That's why we can move heaven and earth with it. Because it's an eternal identity because he is ever living to intercede and you get to be with him in his intercession and so it's loud and it's travail and it's tears and then it's soft and it's silence and it's gripping and it's wordless and it's mysterious and it's strategy and sometimes it's making you a trumpet in the earth but it always goes back to that place of hiddenness. And I want to tell you this about hiddenness. Some of us hate that word. The all of heaven operates out of hiddenness. God himself operates out of hiddenness. The angels operate out of hiddenness. Jesus is in hiddenness. The demonic realm is in hiddenness. So the next time you feel like hiddenness is a rejection, you need to realize that hiddenness is an invitation because you become hidden in him in ways that you could not move heaven and earth. That doesn't call mean that you're supposed to be um, unseen, but in us is a desire to be seen by God. And in that seen by God releases the kingdom into the earth. So I just want to encourage you in that too. Waylon, you can jump in here. So good. That was a uh, fire hose, fire drill, water hose, <laughs> all of that. But um, I love it because that that's there there there's breakthrough and breaking in, um, such a a divine time of transition with out of the few weeks we spent about the importance of. Of a, of a of a consistent discipline prayer life that that leans you into the intercessions of Jesus yeah. uh, so much I mean I'm gonna start from Elijah and then work backwards where you started at right um the uh interesting thing that when you look at the Greek translation of still small voice right <laughs> you'll like this. It reads gentle breeze. Mm, there you go. There you go. Adam walked with God in the, in the cool of the day. Cool of the, day. Um, the interesting thing about the cool of the day um, and gentle breeze, that it was about timing. It was actually the, it marked as a time, time of the day where, uh, you know, if you can speak the language because of the ever presence of God in the garden, 
but there was an appointed time where God and Adam walked together. So it's, I find it interesting that all that is also speaking of, yeah, of the Lord speaking like a gentle breeze to Elijah in the midst of, uh, you know, great victory on Mount Carmel, great personal affliction. Jezebel's coming to get me. Yeah. The angel beginning to feed, coming back to the place, the same place, the, the same Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, the same cleft in the rock that Moses yeah. put in the cleft of the rock. Yeah. Um, and uh, in, in, the, in the word still also means silence, like you said, right? But I was like, okay, I heard that word before. That word silence is actually when Isaiah says, I'm undone. Wow. It derives from the same word, which which essentially means you're silent because blood poured out. It's a type of death. It's a type of crucifixion. Wow. But that word, you know, now now we're now I'll talk more about this next week when we get into intercession of the cross. But all of that, the word still blood being poured out, is also in the Greek reading of Isaiah being pricked in your heart. Which, which means that the reason there's blood being poured out because he was pricked in his heart by seeing the piercings of the one on the throne. So there's something about the, the theophany, the, the God making himself known, lightning, thunder, earthquake, sounds like the upper room, right? Yeah. So when the Lord makes himself known in intercession when you're with him, your heart becomes pierced for who his heart was pierced for. And we become silent because he's, he's speaking. And I think sometimes we don't realize how loud our voice is yeah. until he pierces us and we become silent. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's a beautiful correlation which you were bringing in. And um, man, so much. But I started to think about when you were, you started in Romans 8, 18, right? Mm -hmm. um, the verse before that. Yeah. I want you to, 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 to yeah. kind of to speak, to speak a little bit into this too. Um, and you'll see where I'm, where I'm going because we, we pretty much speak the same language here. Um, uh, if, if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. Yes. Come on. And there's a language of a symphony of sound. There's there that we don't, you know, a lot of times we'll say, okay, well, he, because he suffered, we don't have to. That's actually not the language of the scripture. By the power of his resurrection, he empowers us to to come into partnership with his suffering because that's actually our inheritance. Well, say it. We get to enter in to his sufferings on behalf of creation. And as you're talking, I thought this was so profound. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be 
compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing or the unveiling or the revelation of the sons of God. Same word in the book of Revelation, the, yes. the, the unveiling, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes. So there is this partnership in the present time, which Paul calls this present and evil world, that through the intercession and embodiment of Jesus, we enter in through that intercession in the present time with a whole different perspective of a future reality. And through that, our suffering is entering into his intercession, not just on behalf of us, but how he begins to read is for creation was subject to fertility, not willing, not willingly, but because of him who subjected in hope that that creation itself also will be free from its slavery to corruption in the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the spirit, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption as sons, comma, yeah. the redemption of our body. Now, if you read that through an individual framework, you'll just think of the the redemption of right. our body. Right. But he's correlating the redemption of creation and the redemption of the body, which means that there's something that the body of Christ enters into as a first fruits of what a redemptive new creation will begin to look like. We get to partner with the one who's first fruits of new creation. Yeah. And we become a first fruits. Like the church is not just a place where you gather. Yeah. The church is a preview of what all creation redeemed through the blood of Jesus looks like. And it's through intercession that your eyes begin to be a witness of a future reality. And then you take that future reality and you begin to pray it into the present. But you can't partake of that without it beginning to transfigure you itself. So it's like there's so much in the groan that has no words. Right. Because as, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, he came to him at night. Nick at night, right? Because he was in the dark to who Jesus really was. And when Jesus started talking about the comparison of the kingdom coming in and birthing, he had no clue. And he says this, this is my point. If you can't understand when I speak of things that have an earthly comparison, how will you be able to understand when I speak with things of heaven that have no comparison? What we've been called into has no earthly words that can be articulated, but it is a language of the spirit that has no earthly comparison until we begin to become a witness <laughs> of that in the earth. 
not as find that interesting. We're talking about it now, and we, we're entering into the Advent season. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be important just to lean into that. That the word, the seed of a woman, came down through the birth canal of a woman named Israel. And then became alive and pregnant in an Israelite woman named Mary. That would begin to give birth to a word tabernacled in flesh. Come on, man. Which, I mean, what better way can you describe intercession? Whoa. But yeah, I I just wanted to kind of, it was so good how you were beginning to describe that. And just seeing the larger narrative of what we've been brought into. Yeah. You know, it makes you wonder, right? Like, if we really understood what we as the body of Christ as brides and sons have been invited into, um, we wouldn't just relegate it to prayer in in the back room of a church, right? Or for one particular meeting or for one particular gathering, right? But there's much more of an eternal, eternal purpose and perspective. Yeah, I think I think that's what I want to make so profoundly important in our ears is that this intercession is so much more than what we define. Our weak words define as prayer. Yeah. And it's in the the word prayer itself is powerful, but the way we define prayer, especially as western Christians, most of us are in the West, is it's such a power-lacking definition when we've been invited into the actual intercessions of, of Jesus, the body of Christ. Yeah. What could we move? What could we move if we really believed? I hope you really enjoyed that. Thank you so much again. I hope you're deep diving into the power of intercession. Right now, I just want to bless you with a prayer that would take you into an encounter with the Lord, take you deeper into the place of intercession, and begin to understand that there's so much more for you than just to pray, but it's to encounter the face of God. So, Father, I thank you right now for those that are watching, those that are deep diving into you. God, I pray that you would grip their heart with a groan and a longing for you. Break off the heavy load of the burdens that aren't yours and begin to lay upon them the joyful burden of the Lord. Let them see you move with power in their lives and through their prayers. Thank you so much, God, that you're raising up an army of burning messengers who are also intercessors in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. See you soon. And also be sure to go and check out the Burning Messengers community. And we have some super awesome merch that's available to you right now for 20% off on the website. All kinds of fun things. Love you guys. And remember, you don't have to burn alone.